here at Cannes, we like to focus on open and inclusive dialogue. For people who are interested in our previous shows, you can find our free archives at Spreaker.com, at the Cannes Project podcast on Spreaker.com, or you can also find ad-free content on Patreon.com. For as little as one euro a month, plus fat, you can help contribute. We do need help, so check us out on either Patreon or Spreaker.com. Are you an artist or creator with a social conscience? Do you have an inspiring story or material to share that's helpful to people? Are you an expert on culture, arts, nature or wellness? If this sounds like you or someone you know, we'd love to hear from you at Can Projects, where we advocate that active engagement in positive and creative outlets is beneficial to our health and environment. Our talk show Can Projects podcast reaches 20 plus online platforms and features insightful, inspiring and expert guests. You can check out the show on our free archives on Spreaker.com and YouTube. We'd love to hear from you, so please feel very welcome to email us at canprojects.info at gmail.com. Help each other. Help us all. And you're all very welcome to the Can Projects podcast, where we love to talk about culture, arts, nature and wellness. And today we have some literature with classic readings by Chris Sneed, The Wind and the Willows. Hello and welcome back for Kenneth Graham's The Wind and the Willows. I tell you, I'm going to find this place now if I stay out all night. So cheer up, old chap, and take my arm and we'll very soon be back there again. Still snuffling, pleading and reluctant, Mole suffered himself to be dragged back along the road by his imperious companion, who had by flow of cheerful talk and anecdote endeavoured to beguile his spirits back and make the weary way seem shorter. When at last it seemed to the rat that they must be nearing the part of the road where Mould had been held up, he said, Now, no more talking business. Use your nose and give it your mind too. They moved on in silence for some little way when suddenly the rat was conscious through his arm that was linked in moles of a faint sort of electric trill that was pressing down the animal's body. Instantly he disengaged himself, fell back a pace and waited all attention. The signals were coming true. Mole stood for a moment rigid with his uplifted nose quivering slightly and felt the air. Then a short quick run forward, a fault, a check, a try back and then a slow steady confident advance. The rat, much excited, kept close to his heels as the mole, with something of an air of a sleepwalker, crossed a dry ditch, scrambled through a hedge, and nosed his way over a field, open and trackless and bare in the faint starlight. Suddenly, without giving warning, he dived, but the rat was on the alert and promptly followed him down the tunnel, to which his unerring nose had faithfully led him. It was close and airless, and the earthy smell was strong and it seemed a long time to rat ere the passage ended, and he could stand erect and stretch and shake himself. The mole struck a match, and by its light the rat saw what they were standing in, an open space. Neatly swept and sanded underfoot, and directly facing them was Mole's little front door, with Mole End painted in gothic lettering 
over the bell pull at the side. Mole reached down a lantern from a nail on the wall and lit it. And the rat looking round him saw they were in a sort of forecourt. A garden seat stood on one side of the door and the other a roller for the mole who was a tidy animal when at home could not stand having his ground kicked up by other little animals into little runs that ended in air heaps. On the wall hung wire baskets with ferns in them, alternating with brackets carrying plaster statuary, Gerbaldi and the infant Samuel and Queen Victoria and other heroes of modern Italy. Down one side of the forecourt ran a skittle alley with benches along it and little wooden tables marked with rings that hinted at beer mugs. In the middle was a small pond containing goldfish and surrounded by a cockle-shell border. Out of the centre of the pond rose a fanciful erection clothed in more cockle-shells and topped by a large silver glass ball that reflected everything all wrong and had a very pleasing effect. Mole's face beamed at the sight of all these objects so dear to him and he hurried rat through the door, lit a lamp in the hall and took one glance round his old house. He saw the dust lying thick on everything, saw the cheerless deserted look of the long neglected house and its narrow meagre dimensions, its worn and shabby contents and collapsed again on a hall chair, his nose in his paws. Oh ratty, he cried dismally. Why ever did I do it? Why did I bring you to this poor cold place on a night like this? when you might have been on the river bank by this time, toasting your toes before a blazing fire with all your own nice things around you. The rat paid no attention to his doleful self-reproaches. He was running here and there, opening doors, inspecting rooms and cupboards and lighting lamps and candles and sticking them everywhere. What a capital little house this is, he called out cheerily. So compact, so well planned, everything here and everything in its place. We'll make a jolly night of it. The first thing we want is a good fire. I'll see to that. I always know where to find things. So th this is the parlour. Splendid. Your only idea, those little sleeping bunks in the wall. Capital. Capital. Now I'll fetch the wood and the coals and you get a duster mole. You'll find one in the drawer of the kitchen table and try smarting things up a bit. Bustle about, old chap. Encouraged by his inspiriting companion, the mole roused himself and dusted and polished with energy and heartiness, while the rat running to and fro with armfuls of fuel soon had a cheery blaze roaring up the chimney. He hailed the mole to come and warm himself, but mole promptly had another fit of the blues, dropping down on a couch in dark despair and burying his face in his duster. Rats, he moaned, how about your supper, your poor, cold, hungry animal? I've got nothing to give you, nothing, not even a crumb. What a fellow you are for giving in, said the rat, reproachfully. Why, only just now I saw a sardine opener on the kitchen dresser, quite distinctly, and everybody knows that means there are sardines about somewhere in the neighbourhood. Rouse yourself, pull yourself together and come with me and forage. They went and foraged accordingly, hunting through every cupboard and turning out every drawer. The result was not so very depressing after all, though of course it might have been better. A tin of sardines, a box of Captain's biscuits, nearly full. And a German sausage encased in silver paper. There's a banquet for you, observed the rat as he arranged the table. I know some animals who would give their ears to be sitting down to supper with us tonight. 
No bread, groaned the mole doloriously. No butter, no... No pâté de foie gras, no champagne, continued the rat, grinning. And that reminds me, what's that little door at the end of your passage? Your cellar, of course, every luxury in this house. Just you wait a minute. He made for the cellar door and presently reappeared, somewhat dusty, with a bottle of beer in each paw and another one under each arm. Self-indulgent beggar you seem to be, Mole, he observed. Deny yourself nothing. This is really the jolliest little place I was ever in. Now, wherever do you pick up these prints? Make the place look so homely they do. No wonder you're so fond of it, Mole. Tell us all about it and how you came to make it the way it was. Then, while the rat busied himself fetching plates and knives and forks and mustard, which he mixed in an egg cup, the mole, his bosom still heaving with the stress of his recent emotions related, somewhat shyly at first, but with more freedom as he warmed to the subject. How this was planned, and how this was thought out, and how this was got through a windfall from an ant. And that was a wonderful find and a bargain, and this other thing was brought out of laborious savings and a certain amount of going without, his spirits finally quite restored. He must needs go and caress his possessions and take a lamp and show off their points to his visitor and expatiate on them. Quite forgetful of the supper, they both so much needed. Rat was desperately hungry, but strove to conceal it, nodding seriously, examining with a puckered brow and saying, wonderful and most remarkable at intervals when the chance for an observation was given him. We'll be back with more from the Cam Projects podcast after these short messages. Running a business comes with pressure. Remote workforces, HR compliance, retaining top talent. You start to feel boxed in. Fortunately, there's Insperity. They put 30 plus years of HR service and technology to work, offering my employees competitive benefit options while lightening my HR load. Instead of obstacles, I'm surrounded by people empowered to be their best. With Inspirity, nothing seems impossible. Inspirity, HR that makes a difference. Here at Can, we like to focus on open and inclusive dialogue and sometimes a bit of literature as well. So Chris, we're gonna we're we're opening up a new chapter in the readings, the classic stories for Chris Needs. Yeah, we're gonna be starting on the time machine, which is a classic, classic HG Wells novel. It's a classic for a reason as well, because it's really, really good. I love it. It's been made into a film a few times, and uh, sometimes musicals, audio dramas. Chris Sneed, Classic Readings. My sound man, Shane McKay, has his business called MacSoundServices.com. That's M-A-C-K, SoundServices.com. What he does for me is I send him my shows and he, he does audio enhancements and stuff like that. He does miracles if you see some of the stuff I send him and how it comes back. So get a hold of Shane at MacSoundServices.com. M-A-C-K SoundServices.com. You're all very welcome back to the Can Projects podcast. Rat was desperately hungry, but strove to conceal it, nodding seriously, examining with a puckered brow, and saying, wonderful, and most remarkable, at intervals, when the chance for an observation was given him. 
At last the rat succeeded in decoying him to the table and had just got seriously to work with the sardine opener when sounds were heard from the forecourt without. Sounds like the scuffling of small feet in the gravel and a confused murmur of tiny voices. Well, broken sentences has reached them. Now all hold in the line. Hold up the lantern a bit. Tommy, clear your throats first. No coughing after I say one, two, three. Where's young Bill? Here, come on. We're all awaiting. What's up? inquired the rat, pausing in his labours. I think it must be the field mice, replied the mole, with a touch of pride in his manner. They go round carol singing regularly at this time of year. They're quite an institution in these parts, and they never pass me over. They come to Mole End last of all, and I used to give them hot drinks and supper too sometimes, when I could afford it. It would be like old times to hear them again. Let's have a look at them, cried the rat, jumping up and running to the door. It was a pretty sight, and a seasonable one. They met their eyes when they won't... It was a pretty sight, and a seasonable one that met their eyes when they flung open the door. In the forecourt, lit by the dim rays of a horn lantern, some eight or ten little field mice stood in a semicircle. Red worsted comforters round their throats, their forepaws thrust deep into their pockets, their feet jigging for warmth. With bright beady eyes, they glanced shyly at each other, sniggering a little, sniffling, and applying coat sleeves a good deal to their noses. As the door opened, one of the elder ones that carried the lantern was just saying, Now then, one, two, three. And forthwith, the shrill little voices rose up into the air, singing one of the old-time carols that their forefathers composed in fields that were fallow and held by frost, or went snowbound in chimney corners and handed down to be sung in the miry streets to lamp-lit windows of Yule time. Carol Villagers all go this frosty tide, let your door swing open wide. The wind may follow and snow beside, yet draw us in by your fire to bide. Joy shall be yours in the morning, here we stand in cold and sleet, blowing fingers, stomping feet, come from far away you to greet. You by the fire and we in the street, Bidding you joy in the morning, for ere one half the night was gone, sudden a star has led us on, raining bliss and benson, bliss tomorrow and more anon, joy for every morning. Good man Joseph toiled through the snow, saw the star her stable low, Mary she might not further go. Welcome, touch and litter blow. Joy was hers in the morning. And when they heard the angels tell, Who were the first to cry, no well? Animals all it befell, In the stable where they did dwell. Joy shall be theirs in the morning. The voices ceased, the singers bashful, But smiling, exchanging sidelong glances. And silence succeeded. But for a moment only, then from up above and far away, down the tunnel they had so lately travelled, was borne to their ears in a faint musical hum, the sound of distant bells ringing a joyful and clamorous peal. Very well sung, boys, 
cried the rat heartily. And now come along in, all of you. Warm yourselves by the fire and have something hot. Yes, come along, field mice, cried the mole eagerly. This is quite like old times. Shut the front door after you. Pull up the settle to the fire. Now just wait a minute while we... Oh, ratty! He cried in despair, plumping down on a seat with tears impending. Whatever we to do? We've nothing to give them. You leave all that to me, said the masterful rat. Here you, with the lantern, come here. Come over this way. I want to talk to you. Now tell me, are there any shops open at this hour of the night? Why, certainly, sir, replied the field mouse respectfully. At this time of year, our shops keep open to all sorts of hours. Then look here, said the rat. You go off at once, you and your lantern, and you get me. Here much muttered conversation ensued, and the mole only heard bits of it, such as fresh mind. No, a pound of that will do. See you get buggins, for I won't have any other. No, only the best. If you can get it there, get it there. If you can't, try somewhere else. Yes, of course, homemade. No tin stuff. Well then, do the best you can. Finally, there was a chink of coin passing from paw to paw. The field mouse was provided with an ample basket for his purchases, and off he hurried, him and his lantern. The rest of the field mouse perched in a row on the settle, their small legs swinging, and gave themselves up to the enjoyment of the fire, to toast their chillblains till they tingled, while the mole, failing to draw them into easy conversation, plunged into family history and made each of them recite the names of their numerous brothers and sisters, who were too young, it appeared, to be allowed to go out caroling this year, but looked forward very shortly to winning the parental consent required. The rat, meanwhile, was busy examining the label on one of the beer bottles. "'I perceive this to be old Burton,' he remarked approvingly. "'Sensible mole, the very thing we need. Now we shall be able to mull some ale. Get things ready, mole, while I draw the corks.' It did not take long to prepare the brew and thrust the tin heater well into the red heart of the fire. And very soon every field mouse was sipping and coughing and choking, for a little mulled ale goes a long way, and wiping his eyes and laughing and forgetting he had ever been cold in all of his life. They act plays too, these fellows, the mole exclaimed, explained to the rat. Make them all by themselves and act them afterwards. And very well they do it too. They gave us a capital one last year about a field mouse who was captured at sea by the Barbary Corsair and made to row in a galley. And when he escaped and he got home, his lady love had gone into a convent. Here you. You were in it, I remember. Get up and recite a bit. The field mouse addressed got up on his legs, giggled shyly and looked round the room, remained absolutely tongue-tied. His comrades cheered him on. Mole coaxed and encouraged him. And the rat went so far as to take him by the shoulders and shake him, but nothing could overcome his stage fright. They were all busily engaged on him, like watermen applying the Royal Humane Society's regulations to a case of long submersion. When the latch clicked, the door opened and the field mouse with the lantern reappeared, staggering under the weight of his basket. Next part of Wind and Willows will be out next week. And the Calm Project's email is canprojects.info at gmail.com and you'll find a link to the Can Projects website in the description. All the best.
projects, Culture, Arts, Nature and Wellness is an outreach project advocating that active engagement in positive and creative outlets is beneficial to our health and our environment. If you'd like to contact CAN Projects, you can email us at canprojects.info at gmail.com and the link to our website is in the description. Are you super interested in shizcoin and get totally excited by pyramid programs? Do you feel ready to give your money to a faceless stranger on a pinky promise of endless returns? Then this is not the podcast for you. T's and C's don't apply because shizcoin's not real. <laughs>